Well, here we are, and we're talking about a subject, and, and you've been prepared enough, okay? Um, deal with it. Uh, and, and, and this, this is, it's really not that difficult for me to talk about. You know, it's kind of funny. That I became a pastor when I was way too young. I was 28, actually 27. And the first time I was teaching uh, on a Sunday morning through, through a, a book in the New Testament, and then the sex came up, I just approached it. Kind of like I will now, only then with a lot less experience in every way, if you know what I mean. And, and um, somebody came up to me afterwards and said, you're not old enough to really talk about that to people who've been married for a long time. I don't get that criticism anymore, okay? <laughs> uh, which I guess is good, but that's uh, one of the advantages, I suppose, of, of age and so forth. It's important to note that what I'm going to talk about from the Bible this morning is not my opinion. It's the Bible. It's very clear, and you're going to see that. I'm going to show that to you and and show you. There's not a whole lot of ways to interpret this. And so I want you to see that. And my challenge in a situation like this, first of all, someone might say, and and I've had this question before in similar settings, uh, why would you talk about this subject on a Sunday morning? Shouldn't this be for a group or a small group or a men's group or a women's group or a couple's group or whatever? And of course, there is a proper place for that. But let me ask you this. How do you deal with a series on the family without talking about sex? I mean, come on. Let's be, let's be blunt here. And, 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 and what area of our society, I thought Clay pointed this out very well, uh, what area of our society, I mean, you know, you can't watch a football game without a whole, getting hit with a whole bunch of images of sex, whether it be advertising or whether it be the cheerleaders or whether it be, you know, something else, you know, the quarterback running off to Mexico with somebody or whatever. <laughs> Sorry, Cowboy fans, but I mean, there you go. Um, I'm going to be brutal because I was brutalized last week because my team didn't make the, the, the playoffs, the Broncos. Anyway, uh, it, it's just everywhere. So uh, this is the one place I believe we have to talk about it because, frankly, the church, the church in general, they, have, we haven't, they haven't done a good job historically. They've done a great job in, in, in casting guilt. They've done a great job in, in, in condemning. They've been a great, done a great job in telling people they better do this or they're going to go to hell. They've done a great job, that, but they haven't done a very good job. The church in general has not done a very good job of presenting just the positive teachings of the Bible as, it, as, as regards to sex. My challenge is always like this in this situation, and that is I'm addressing people from every stage of life and I'm going, to, I'm going to mention this two or three times. Obviously, most of you are married. Some of you are single. Some of you are divorced. There, are people, there will be people in this, during these three services that I know of and many that I don't know who might even be in the middle of a divorce. So I, I'm, I'm, I, this is kind of challenging from that perspective. But wherever you are, I want you to listen. And I want you to listen closely to what the Bible has to say about this because it's very, very important. And I want to begin with a statement that I want just you to kind of to, to mentally digest a little bit and to think about. Because the Bible is very, very clear on this. Sex between a husband and a wife is the only kind of sex that is blessed, that is approved, and that is recommended by God. Now, some of you have or will choose not to agree with this. And if you're in that situation, I want you to know a couple of things. First of all, I want you to know you will not be judged. I will not think less of you 
God will not love you less. You will not be condemned. You will not be shunned. You will still be welcomed here in this church, as long as the current leadership is here. Um, but I want you to, if, if you're one of those who chooses not to agree with what, what we're going to see, I want you to think about it. You certainly have the right to choose to disagree with the Bible and say, well, I don't necessarily agree. You certainly have that right, but, but you know, it's here for a reason. And the Bible never anywhere, nor does God ever anywhere, do something to keep you or tell us something to keep you from having fun. That's not God, that's not, that's not God okay? And that's not the Bible. Many, many exhortations are there to protect us. Because how many times have you, have you seen where, you know, you, I'll clean it up a little bit. You've, you've maybe heard the saying, you know, sex screws up a relationship. Well, it certainly can cause all sorts of dysfunction when it's not in the context of a committed, lifelong husband-wife relationship. And many of you can testify to the, to the heartache and the heartbreak and the dysfunction that can come from that. So stay with me on this, wherever you are. Whatever walk of life you're in, just stay with me, right? whether, you, whether you agree or don't agree. I want to begin with a, with a quote from C.S. Lewis, the great writer who chronicles of Narnia, the next one of which, by the way, Prince Caspian, coming out in May, the next, the next Chronicles of Narnia, which I'm all excited about. Um, he said this. This is a great quote. Watch this. The monstrosity of sexual intercourse outside marriage is that those who indulge in it are trying to isolate one kind of union, the sexual from all the other kinds of union which were intended to go along with it and make up the total union. The Christian attitude does not mean that there's anything wrong about sexual pleasure any more than the pleasure of eating. It means that you must not isolate that pleasure and try to get it by itself. That's our society right there. We've tried to take it out of that context. And then we wonder why there's so many screwed up lives. We're going to talk real blunt here, okay? So, so... Um, I want to do a couple. I want to. I want to get into the Bible and, and show you some things. Before I do that, I want to do two other things real quick. Sort of, I got kind of a my introduction is about half about as long as my message. So, so don't get don't get worried. Um, I call these the enemies of real life, quote unquote, real life husband wife, healthy sex life. Okay, what are the enemies of a real life husband wife healthy sex life? Well, there are several. Movies, I would say, is one of them. You know, movies, um, I'm not here to preach against, you know, oh, movies are all bad and all the other kind of things, but um, I will just give you the one hint about movies, and that is, they're not real, okay? It's a movie, you know? And someone comes and says, hey, you know, our sex life isn't, isn't like, you know, whoever, and I'm like, well, it's a movie, people! <laughs> Do you know how long it takes to set up those scenes? So, oh, it's crazy. The other thing, you can take that off now. The, 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 other, the other thing is this, that, that um, uh, magazines is another thing, you know? Can I help you with this one? It's airbrushed, okay? There aren't that many perfect bodies out there. Go to the beach and you'll get an education, you know? That's life, Okay? It's just amazing how that works. But, you know, pornography has really just more, I mean, it's not a new thing. It's just the proliferation of it is new with the internet and so forth. Um, 
And that's become a real, I mean, that's just false intimacy. It's not real, folks. It's all about the money. And people need to stop, I mean, and all the things that go along with that, whether you're talking about, you know, strip clubs, whatever happens, you know, it's not real. And then it becomes a real enemy of real life husband and wife um, healthy sexual relations because this, all this stuff is, is, it's just screwy. It's, um, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's wild. I, I, I mean, I'll tell you this real quick. I, I don't, I didn't, I, would, I had a waitress one time that, um, I had been two or three times to that restaurant and we had had a conversation and somehow it came up that she danced at some, some topless club and she found out I was a minister and she says, would you ever come? Honestly, she asked me and I said, <laughs> I said, you know, I, I, I would not. And uh, she said, I, I mean, really, I mean, how does it, how do they, and, and then she said, well, why not? And I said, well, you know, to be honest with you, I don't think it'd be very honoring to my wife. And she said, um, well, that's a good point. She said, well, what if you weren't married? And I said, yeah, I still wouldn't. And she said, well, why not? And I said, because I think a lot more of you than that. I think you're more than a piece of meat. I think you're probably, I think God thinks you're just a really valuable individual. It was like a new thought to her. Bless her heart. And uh, we never got to carry that conversation through. I, I, I pray for her and, and so forth. But it, it's amazing how this, this thing has, has, has happened in our whole society and how it's worked. One of the other enemies of real life, husband, wife, healthy sex life, is, is it's, a, it's a performance. It's not a performance. It's two people who love each other for the rest of their lives, expressing their love to each other. That's what it is. That's what the Bible teaches. I'm going to show you that. The other thing is other people. Other people get in the way sometimes. People you work with, people you meet, people whatever, people that you're attracted to of the opposite sex. I will just give you a hint on that one too, and that is, you know what? If you're with them year after year after year, they'll get boring too, okay? Okay? if you don't strive to keep that from happening in your relationship. Let me show you what the Bible says about that. Proverbs chapter 5, drink water from your own well. Share your, share your love only with your wife. Why spill the water of your springs in public? Have sex with just anyone. You should reserve it for yourselves. Don't share it with strangers. Let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. It's Hebrew poetry. It's great. And rejoice in the wife of your youth. She's a loving doe, a graceful deer. Let her breast satisfy you always. Ooh, really? Yeah, there it is. May you always be, may you always be captivated, intoxicated, is another word that is translated there, by her love. Why be captivated, captivated, my son, with an immoral woman or embrace the breast of an adulterous woman? For the Lord sees clearly what a man does, examining every path that he takes. Watch this. This is, this is good. An evil man is held captive by his own sins. How true is that? They are ropes that catch and hold him. He will die for lack of self-control. He will be lost because of his incredible folly. The Bible's really clear about that. And sometimes the other people that come into your life can be an enemy of real-life husband-wife, lifelong relationships and a good, healthy sex life. All right, let me, let me do this before I, I... One more thing. That's the first thing. The second thing is this. I did a, I did a search... Be careful with this. I did a search, uh, quote, benefits of a healthy sex life, end quote. And nothing, nothing 
you know, popped up that shouldn't have. Uh, at least I didn't. I never. You know how that is. There's thousands of pages, but I did. And so these are some. These were from different health articles. The benefits of a healthy husband-wife sex life. Okay, here you go. You ready for this? Here we go. According to some, these are all different. Um, some of these articles were from you know different medical schools and different journals or whatever. You live longer. How about that? There's a good one for you. Hey, you know we live longer. Um, keeps you focused on the other person. We're going to say that improves your health. How about this? It burns calories. <laughs> it burns calories. Um, do you know? Ah, never mind. I don't want to say that. Um, you can you can do the uh, you can do the research yourself. Um, well, we kind of uh, makes you feel closer, more intimate. Uh, you know, and, and you can't stay mad at each other. You know, and, 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 and you're in a better mood. That wasn't in a medical journal. I just put that in there. You're in a better mood. I had, I, you are. You're in a better mood. I had a lot of uh, suggestions uh, this week from different individuals. And each, I promise you, each time they said, don't you dare quote me on that. Don't you use my name. So I got a lot of anonymous sources this week. You know how that is. Um, you're, you're more fully, you more fully embrace the rigors of the day. You're more well-rounded, right? You, you, you feel more secure. You, you, you know, it makes, the sky, it makes the sky bluer. It makes food taste better. It keeps sports in perspective. <laughs> football? What football game? I don't care about any stinking football game, you know? Keep sports in perspective. It just enhances life. It just enhances life. There are many more, and uh, you know you can do that and uh, and find some different things. And there's some things that are that are you know you're like, well, I don't know if that's true, but it there are many things. And, and and so when we talk about this, this is a part of who we are. This whole sexuality thing. I want to take you to a passage in the Bible, First Corinthians chapter seven, written by the Apostle Paul, and um, and I want you to look at this, and we're going to talk about it. just 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 spend a few minutes on this and talk about this and, and go from there. Um, chapter seven, verse one goes like this. Now about the questions. You asked in your letter. Yes, it is good to live a celibate life because there is so much sexual immorality. Each man should have his own wife and each woman should have her own husband. Now, we just stop there for just a moment, okay? Now, the Apostle Paul here is not saying that it's better to be celibate. He's saying it's a good thing. And here's how I take that. Here's the the illustration that I would give you. When we moved here, when Charlie and I moved here uh, five years ago, almost six years ago, um, we made that decision. We sat down together and we decided, what are we going to do? Is, it, is this the right place for us to be? So forth and so forth and so forth. Let me tell you one component that previous to this had been an issue, but it wasn't anymore. All of our kids were grown, had their own families, well, working on their own family. And um, um, all of our kids were grown and married, and we're like, that's not an issue. We don't have to, you know, most of you, if you have kids and you're going to go move somewhere, you're going to stop and you're going to say, well, is this, I mean, this is a natural question. Is, is this healthy for my kids? You, you better ask that question. We didn't have to do that. Okay. It's the same way if it, if it were just me, for instance, if I were not married and I said, is this something I should do? I don't have to stop and think, well, what, what does my spouse want? You know, what's best for her? What's best for them? That's all he's saying. He's not saying it's better. It's not saying it's less. He's just saying, you know, it's good, to be, it's good to be celibate, but most of us don't have that gift. And it is called a gift. Not quite, I haven't quite figured that out yet, but it is called a gift. And, 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 and I, had a, <laughs> I was teaching a Bible study one time. I don't know how it came up. It was a bunch of junior high kids. 
And uh, some of the eighth grade had come to me, and we were talking about Sullivan. I didn't. I just tried to, you know, just skirt over it. And uh, came up to me, and he said, "Hey, do you think I have that? Do you think I have that?" And I said, "What?" He says, "Do you think you think I'm a celibate?" I said, "Are you worried?" No, yeah, I don't want that. I don't want that. Eighth grader. I said, "Don't worry about it, kid. You're in good shape. Okay, you don't have it. Okay, you know." Um, but anyway, he's not, he, and here's the issue. And the Catholic Church has done some things, and I'm not putting them down. Many of you either are or come from that background, and I have many friends who are, who are, who are um, priests, and then God bless them. I don't know how they do, do what they do, and particularly, in, in, you know, the whole thing of being alone and being a celibate. Some of that teaching is grounded in their own, in their own um, church tradition, but uh, some say they point to a verse like this and say, see, it's better. It doesn't say it's better. Now, and, and that's, that's the issue here, and you've got to be careful with that. So I'm not being critical of them. I, think, I mean, there are many reasons I'm not in the Roman denomination. Certainly that would be one of them, because I'm going to be married. Um, anyway, um, there it is. Yes, it is good to live. It's good to live a celibate life, but that's not for most of us. Verse 4, verse 3, excuse me. The husband should not, now here we go, here we go. The husband should not deprive his wife of sexual intimacy, which is her right as a married woman, nor should the wife deprive her husband. See, it's equal here. The wife gives authority over her body to her husband. The husband also gives authority over his body to his wife. It's not one-sided. Sometimes you get that. It's not. The Bible's very clear. It's for both of us here. We're, we're, we're about each other. That's, what, that's the thing. The, the word, the original word in the original language in the Greek is, is conjugal. We got our word conjugal rights from that. Sometimes you hear, you hear that term thrown around sometimes. Verse 5, so do not deprive each other of sexual relations. The only exception to this rule would be the agreement, do you get this, of both the husband and the wife to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time so they can give themselves more completely to prayer. Afterwards, they should come together again so that Satan won't be able to tempt them because of their lack of self-control. Now, the Bible's clear here. Um, I think it's pretty clear. He says, you know, if you want to agree to restrain from, from, I'll just say, fooling around for a little while for the purpose of prayer, I suppose some people do that. That's a good thing. But don't do that too long because you're going to be, you know. The Bible assumes it's interesting, isn't it? It's, it assumes that we'll have some control issues on this subject, both men and both women. That's the other thing here. Be careful with the categorization, because some people say, well, all women are like this, and all men are like this. There's some of that, but one of my problems with that book, you know, men are from Mars and women are from Venus or Jupiter or wherever, um, one of my problems with that is it, it, it's not always true. Sometimes the woman is this particular way and the, and the man's this way. You know, it has to do with personalities. It has to do with individuals. It's not, it's, it's, it would be so simple and so easy to say, well, women are this way and men are this way. Yeah, sometimes, but not always. So, and here he makes it very clear. This is about each other. This is an equal thing. Then he gives us this little, little uh, nugget here in verse 6. This is only my suggestion. It's not meant to be an absolute rule. See, he says that, verse 7. I wish everyone could get along without marrying, just as I do. But we're all not the same. That's just his opinion. He says that in the Bible. He says, but we, all, we are not all the same. God gives some the gift of marriage, and others he gives the gift of singleness. Some of you may have the gift of singleness for a short time, for a time period. Maybe it's not for a life. 
Maybe it's for a while. So here's what I want to do. I want, we, we've read through those. I want to make five or six real quick statements, bullets, if you will, of, of the biblical teaching based on those verses. Just some things I've already said. I'm just going to repeat them. Um, on, on a healthy husband-wife, healthy sex life, all right? Five or six things. Here, the first one is real simple. It's real clear. Lovemaking is for husbands and wives. He says that. Let each husband have his own wife. Let each wife have her own husband. I will repeat. If you're not there, if you want to disagree with that, you can. I hope you'll consider the author. It's not me. But you, I also want you to know, to know again, you're not going to be judged here. You're not going to be second class here. You know, there might be times if you really go too far with some of the stuff that I might put my arm on your shoulder or somebody else and might say, hey, what are you doing? Not because, not because you're violating some commandment of the church, because what are you doing to yourself? You know, if it's something that really needs to be addressed, you know, I've, I've done that many times in a loving, kind way. And usually people are just like, yeah, I need some help here. Lovemaking is for husbands and wives. Lovemaking is a, the Bible shows us this, is a healthy aspect of people, most people's sexuality or humanity. Excuse me, humanity. It's just, it's just a healthy aspect of that. Not everybody, but most of us. Lovemaking is important. Isn't that interesting? To both men and women. And he, and he makes it very clear. He says, well, men, this, women, the same thing. You're not, you know, you're to give up, the, 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 the surrender your body to each other, basically. Lovemaking is not about manipulation. It's not about rewards or punishment. It's about love and giving to each other. It's, you know, lovemaking is about the other person. That's, that's what comes out to me clear from, from 1 Corinthians chapter 7. It's about the other person. It's not just what I want and my needs or whatever. It's the other person. And lovemaking, you know, this is another interesting point. He makes it very clear, in, the, in, this, in, in particularly in verse 6 and 7. Lovemaking should not be avoided for too long. You say, well, how long is too long? I'm not going to play that game, Okay. <laughs> You, that's something you two need to talk about. I've had that many times, even, even in, in, in personal um, facilitating or whatever you want to call it, pastoral counseling. I'm not a psychologist or a therapist, but I, I do some, you know, I help where I can. And, and a number of times, you know, one of the, uh, the, the husband or the wife will look at me and say, well, what's a, what's a, reasonable, what's a reasonable number here? And I'm like, no, that's not for me. That's not for me. That's for you two to sit down, talk about, pray about maybe, so that you're not being too selfish, one of you, and figure that out. Are any formulas for all of that? There you go. Lovemaking is for husbands and wives. It's a healthy aspect of most people's humanity. It's important to both men and women. It's not about manipulation. It's about the other person, and it should not be avoided for too long. On that last point, I've said this before, and I want to say it one more time. Um, that's one of the reasons I don't, I don't and, and, and some of you agree with this, some of you don't, and that's okay. I'm not a big fan of long engagements. If you're, if you're seeking to be chaste, if you're seeking to stay out of bed with one another before you get married, to be real blunt, I'm not a big fan of long engagements. If you love each other, I got to tell you, there's a couple of things that are going to happen. If you really love each other, this isn't hard. You know, this isn't rocket science. 
And so the thing that I have said to many a couple, when they come and, they say, and, they're, and they're seeking to live by God's design and seeking to be chased and they're mar- and before they get married and so forth, and I've said, how long, you know, how long, when's the wedding? Oh, it's a year and a half. I'm like, eh, wrong answer. <laughs> I mean, you're going to have to determine that. Obviously, I'm not going to set that, but I'm going to say, listen, you guys, are you going to sit here and tell me before God that you're going to keep your hands off each other for a year and a half? I don't think so. We're made out of the same stuff. Don't forget that, okay? And so, so you think about that, you know, and, and that maybe, you know, that's very counterculture, I realize. And, 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 and around, well, not just around here, but these days, I don't want to sound like an old man, but these days, you know, uh, uh, you know a short engagement is like a year. Well, sometimes you, you may need to rethink that. I did a wedding. I'll tell you, I, I just thought I didn't tell my, the early service about this, so I'll tell you something they didn't hear. I did a wedding just a couple weeks ago, a very small wedding. They had planned a couple of neat, just a neat couple, and uh, they both desire to live the way that God has set down in the Bible for them to live. And uh, they have been dating for a while, and, and, and you know, several months, and they believe that they're God's, you know, that this is God's person for them. They believe they should be married. And we talked about that a little bit. And, and they were going to get married sometime in the summer. They came to me about, about two months ago. And they said, we're not going to make it. No kidding. No kidding. This is true. They said, we're not going to make it. I said, what do you want to do? They said, will you marry us like in two weeks? I said, you bet, you're, yeah, you bet I will. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And we did, we came right here. They had some of their friends and their family. This is a real small wedding. And, and, and we just had a very small, I said, I love this. This is great. And then, and then what they're going to do for their wedding day is they're going to have another just big celebration, just celebrating their wedding. They're, 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 they're not, you know, they're not, you know, they're told everybody, we got married. They sent an announcement like the next week. We got married on December, whatever it was. And, and then somebody, I saw somebody, they said, hey, did you have anything to do with that? I said, well, a little bit. You know, a little bit. But anyway, I just thought that was really cool. They said, look, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna do this God's way. We're going to get married. So they got married. That was great. They'll be here in the uh, next service. Anyway, so they will. Anyway, let me show you. It was one last thing, and then I want to talk, talk to all of you who may feel disenfranchised by now. Um, Song of Solomon, which is just some great Hebrew poetry. Real quickly, it just, it's just really good. He says, he says this, how, this is the bride, this is the groom talking to the bride. How delightful you are, my beloved. How pleasant for utter delight. You are tall and slim like a palm tree, and your breasts are like its clusters of nature. Like, whoa, baby. Verse 8, I said I will climb into the palm tree and take hold of its branches. May your breasts be like grape clusters and the scent of your breath like apples. I'm not into apple breath, but I mean, it's... <laughs> This is, this is something that's very attractive, you know, and he's trying to put it in a way, and it doesn't always translate well, but anyway, you got it. Uh, verse 9, may your kisses be as exciting as the best wine, smooth and sweet, flowing gently over lips and teeth. Here's my point. When God describes a relationship between a husband and a wife, he doesn't blink. Here it is. This is great. You know, this is, God blesses this and recommends it. Now, let me step back a minute, because there's, two, there's three things I want to say before I close. What if I've screwed this up? And 
I assure you that there will be a large percentage of people uh, in the three services here this morning that will have screwed this up. I will just say to you, thank God for his forgiveness and start now. Thank God, that's why Jesus came. And you come to him and ask for his forgiveness and trust, he's going to forgive you. But then seek to change. So I want to do this right. And maybe that means if you're living with someone, maybe that means if, if you see this and you look at this, maybe that means you, you, you make some sort of different arrangement until you can be married. And, and, and you know, here's the thing, and, and, and it's, it's important for you to understand, this is not a, a book of, of do's and don'ts for the sake of do's and don'ts. All right, so, so what if I've screwed this up? Well, first of all, you're not alone. Secondly, that's why Jesus is here, to give you forgiveness. Now, let me just say this to the unmarried, because in, in the three services here, there are a number of people that I know of and a whole bunch that I don't know that are, that are not married either, either because they've chosen not to be or in many cases because they haven't found the right person or in some cases they're in the middle of a divorce. In some cases they've been divorced for a, for a period of time and, and they're looking, you know, they want to do it right this time. And, and to those of you in that particular situation, I want to say this. Hold on. Hold on. Don't get discouraged. Don't lose hope. It can be, it can be different. Put yourself, in, put yourself in a place where you can meet the right person. And, and in the process, let God work on you. So when the right person comes along, you're going to be attractive. Not just visibly because I got news for you, if you're, if you're aging, which we all are, you're fighting a losing battle there, okay? You know, you might as well hear from somebody that loves you. Um, it's more important what's inside. Obviously, physical matters, but it's more important what's inside. So, so hang in there. Hang in there. And the last thing I want to say is this. And I need to stop, and I want to close on this point. One of the things that hits me right between the eyes from the Bible is, that God cares, God cares about every aspect of our life. I cannot explain to you why the church in general, big C, hasn't been more proactive about telling and teaching the positive aspects of sexuality from the Bible. Why the church has only been negative and, and condemning and, and sending people to hell and all the other kind, not that the church has that ability, but I can't... I, I, God cares about every aspect of our lives. And it's not, listen, and this is key, it's not just God trying to say, do this and don't do this because you're a bad boy or a bad girl. It's about God saying, you know what? I dearly love you as my child, and I want what's best for you. And I want you to be fulfilled. And here's how you're going to be fulfilled. That's what the Bible's teaching. It's not about you can't have fun. It's about I want you to have real fun that's going to last and keep on lasting for a lifetime. I pray that God will take that message and just really print it indelibly in our heart and in our mind. Let's pray together. Lord God, we're grateful as we consider such an important subject that you love us in such a way that you give us pretty clear instruction about how we can be 
best fulfilled here in life. God, we thank you that you love us that much and you care about us that much. I pray for each of us, all of us here, different avenues, different aspects of our lives. Some, some this has been not easy for. For some, this has been a reinforcement of, of maybe their, their marriage or whatever. I just pray, God, that for each person, each one of us, that the Spirit of God would just, would just take these truths and, and not only comfort them, comfort us with them, but help us to see what's important, and not only how we're going to honor you, but how you are going to fulfill us in the way that you desire to do. We're, that's, a, that's, a great, that's a great thing. We thank you for that. We thank you for your love and for your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.